Hello, everyone. This is Mike Lindstedt, president and co-founder of The Nehemiah Project. And you are listening to The Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, we're back on our podcast series entitled The Life in Christ, where Pastor Chad and myself are walking through the book of Philippians. And today we're going to be on chapter four, verses one through nine. And we've titled today's podcast episode, The Influence of the Mind in Joy-Filled Christian Living. The Influence of the Mind in Joy-Filled Christian Living. And Chad, I think the verse that stands out above all the rest is verse four. Mm. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. That's right. One of the first songs we taught my little girl. Mm-hmm. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And uh, you can't help but smile if you yeah. sing that, right? Yeah. Seems childish. It seems silly, but man, does it work, right? Mm. And so we're going to talk about the influence of the way that we think as it pertains to the way that we live and the quality of our life. You know, one of the things that you hear so often in evangelicalism is the the term, the abundant life, right? And there's really two ways in which that phrase is used in the common vernacular today. Some think that the abundant life means abundance of material possessions, while others think that the abundant life really has more to do with the spiritual blessings that we've received. And I would say it's the latter of those two, the spiritual blessings, that is most in line with what the Bible actually teaches. And as we're going to see in our text today, Chad, the way that we think and what we think about will influence our conscious awareness of the reality that Christ has indeed purchased for us all the spiritual blessings that Mm. are available in heaven. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And that's only possible because of what Christ has done. Mm -hmm. And so that is really the reality that undergirds what Paul is talking about today in our section. So Chad, before we get into verses one through nine of chapter four, do you have any sort of comments to make? Yeah, um, our title talks about the mind. And that word rejoice, that original word is kairo. Mm-hmm. I think it's how you say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a verb, to rejoice or to be glad, or I am glad. And that has a connotation of what am I glad about? To be glad about something means that you have to understand what that thing is in order to be glad about it. And so that idea of rejoicing in the Lord is is a call to, it's not an emotional call, but it's a response to the character of who God is, mm-hmm. the character of Christ. And so, as we talk about often on here, that Christianity is an intellectual uh, faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not an emotional faith. It's not sensuality. It's It begins with the knowledge, a specific mm-hmm. knowledge of who Christ is. And so, you may respond to what we're saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And that seems like that's a very hard thing to do because I don't always feel glad or rejoiceful. Mm -hmm. And it's not a call to just feel glad. It's a call to 
remind yourself of the truth of the gospel, of, of your eternal state, of all the things yeah. that Christ has given. Therefore, rejoice. Yeah. Therefore, and in that way, we can rejoice always in the Lord when our mind is set upon the upward call of Christ that we talked about last episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that word up um, that's translated rejoice because there's three words that are really important to the Christian. Mm-hmm. Joy, grace, and then rejoice. And they all have the same uh, root word and therefore the same fundamental meaning. It really, the word rejoice really means to delight in God's grace, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, to be conscious and glad for that grace that we've yeah. received in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole book, Philippians, is is about Jesus Christ. And specifically, Paul's been been urging, even as we're going to see in the first couple of verses of our text today, he's been urging the Philippian church to be selfless, to be sacrificial in the way that they love one another. Uh, because Jesus was. He did that. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that genuinely, you must have this conscious, glad, understanding of God's grace that he's given to you in Christ. Yeah. That's the only way that you're going to be able to endure the the longevity of the life that, that God allows you to have on this earth. That's right. I, I mean, giving away your life is not natural. Uh-uh. It's not natural. But yet that's what Jesus Christ calls every Christian to yeah. do, to give away your life, right? Yeah. If you want to keep your life, you'll have to let go of Christ. Mm-hmm. If you want Jesus Christ, you'll have to let go of the rights to your own life. Yeah, that's that's how it works. Yeah, and so there is no in between. But the the fact that Paul stresses the 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 joy of the of the Christian life to in the verb form to rejoice, you know, that's fundamentally important for all of us to understand as we go into our text today. Mm-hmm. So let's let's read it here. It's nine verses. Why don't I read the first three and you finish us off, Chad? All right. Therefore, my brothers, loved and longed for my joy and my crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urged Yodia and I urged Synecdoche to think the same way in the Lord. Indeed, I ask you also, genuine companion, help these women who have contended together alongside of me in the gospel with also Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Wow. What an amazing promise. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to verse one. He says, therefore, my brothers, loved and longed for. I I love the pastoral heart of Paul. Yeah, I mean, we said it so many times, but he really was with these people in spirit. They were united in focus, in mission. They were all about the gospel of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. as a body of believers from, Mm -hmm. from the apostle Paul all the way down, right? I mean, everybody that was a part of this church had one focus in mind, and that was whatever Jesus Christ is up to in the world, 
I want to be a part of that. <laughs> right. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, where Paul gives the longest treatment of Christian giving, he mentions specifically the churches of Macedonia, which include Philippi, of their amazing example of giving, of Christian giving. Like these people, by and large, those churches rather, were not very wealthy. Now, mm. Philippi was probably along, maybe alongside Thessalonica, probably pretty well off. It's hard to really know for sure. Yeah. We know that the Philippians had some mining activity going on economically, so they may have been, you know, fairly well off. But regardless of what their economic position was, they wanted to commit their resources to what Jesus was up to, right? I mean, that's all they were about. And so Paul, who was the same way, he calls them loved and longed for. Some translations just translate that beloved, but it's really two different words. Loved actually could be beloved in the Greek, and longed for, this Greek word, this is the only place where this word is used, and it really just denotes a deep desire, right? That's really what it's talking about, a very, very deep desire. It's the Mm -hmm. only place in which this word is used in the New Testament. So not only does he call them beloved and ones whom he deeply desires and longs for, but he also calls them my joy, right, and crown. Now, this is so wonderful. He's a pastor, right? What is the the fruit of his labor other than the people in which he's been investing his life into yeah you know yeah and it's it points to the grace of god in paul's life That's right because paul was this i mean we're all sinful <clears throat> when we come to know the lord but paul was a persecutor of the church one who was trying to kill christians and then he comes to know the lord on the road to damascus and then he's made an apostle and so he he gets this great calling from the Lord whom he was an enemy of yeah. to go about spreading the good news of Christ and the promise that the Lord was going to save people. And he is getting to write this letter to a people that before he came into Philippi did not know the gospel. He shared and labored the gospel, went through some persecution at the time to go through it. Yeah. But now he's got this church of people who love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so... He's excited about what the Lord's doing, but it's also such a reflection on the grace and mercy of God in Paul's life. Yeah, yeah. And every pastor should feel that way. Amen. You know? Amen. And now this word for crown here is actually the the word Stephanos, which really refers specifically to the wreath that was awarded to a victor in the ancient like Olympic Olympic Games. Yeah. It's different than like a, a, a crown that we probably think of, like, like a, a king's royal, crown. A yeah. royal crown. It's yeah. not a royal crown. It's a, it's a crown that was awarded after a strenuous effort, right? Yeah. An athletic competition yeah. at the highest level, right? I mean, you think of the Olympic Games. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. four years, you got to train for that, right? Yeah. That's the word he uses. Yeah. Now, it's the same word that's used of the thorn of, uh, uh, sorry, of the crown of thorns yeah. that was placed on Christ's head. Now, think about that. Like, yeah. Let's stop and just think about that for mm-hmm. one moment. Jesus Christ took on the crown of shame and humiliation mm-hmm. in your place, listener. Mm-hmm. So that you could put on the crown of eternal life yeah. in him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. Now for the pastor Paul, he gets to realize the 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 blessings of the eternal blessedness of the possession of his eternal life now and his usefulness to the king of, of eternity now through watching the Spirit of God convict people's hearts 
transform them, bringing them from death to life, and then making them useful for the king of all eternity. Yeah. I mean, he gets to be fundamental in that whole process. I'm sorry, but there is no more. <laughs> there's no, there's no, nothing better. There's nothing oh, yeah. better at all than that. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you could speak to this, but I, I can think of many examples in my own life of people that I've shared the gospel with or ministered to that it just seemed like they couldn't want God at all. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord saves them and you see their life actually changing and you see the the reality of God's word actually changing this person and you get to be a witness to that and it's such a joy and such a humbling state of like, yeah. wow, well, look what God is doing. Yeah. And I had nothing to do with it other than just telling them what God's word says. Yeah. And and God's word is sufficient. It, it it just helps you so much in your own faith. And I'm sure this is encouraging Paul's faith to to such degree. It's why he's in prison writing this letter with such conviction and joy because these are probably the things that he's thinking about. Yeah. You know, like the right. Lord is faithful. It's it's okay. That's right. You know. And and keeping in step with um, the context here, flowing out of chapter three and verse seventeen, he says, "Brothers, join in following my example." And look for those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us, right? So what that means then is if Paul is so grateful and filled with the joy and the conscious awareness of God's grace in his life from the converts that are coming by way of his strenuous effort, Mm -hmm. right? That's being energized by the spirit of God. Well, how much more then should we also look to do the same thing, right? as followers of Jesus Christ, as the apostle Paul was, yeah. you know, as, as people who are not apostles looking at the apostle Paul and going, man, if that's what he valued, that's what I should value. Yeah. That's what Jesus Christ valued. That's what I should value. That's what my Christian life should be about is going out, glorifying God every day. And in this particular way, making a point to try to win converts, right? Mm-hmm. To the Lord. Not that there's anything that I could craft or or say just right, that's going to do it, but trusting the Lord in faith that he is going to use my mouth as I faithfully trust him and proclaim the gospel to use uh, my mouth to to bring converse uh, into the world, right? Yeah. It's just an amazing thing. Yeah, it really, it makes you a joyful slave, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you never know what's going to happen, <laughs> Yeah. right? Yeah, it could be the worst day you're having, but you don't know what's coming around the corner. You, you don't know? know what's coming around the corner. You know, that person that you've been witnessing to that lives on your block for, mm. you know, six months or whatever, or a year, you just feel like, man, there's just nothing happening. All of a sudden, they're going to knock on your door, you yeah. know, in tears. You know, Mike, I'm just broken over my sin, right? Yeah. It's just like, what? I had no idea. I thought you could care less, right? <laughs> right. And all of a sudden, it's right. like, dude. God is bringing someone to new birth right in front of your eyes yeah. that you have been strenuously laboring over for however long, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. This yeah. drove the Apostle Paul. Listen to his words in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. He says, for this reason, right? He's in prison when he's writing this. He says, for this reason, I endure all things for the sake of the elect so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I mean, Paul knew this. He knew this. He needed to use the mouth that God gave him to proclaim that Jesus is Christ mm-hmm. and that by that proclamation of the gospel, people would be saved. So that's a lot to say about just the first couple of words, right? But it's yeah. a lot in there. Yeah, there's a whole lot. So he says, therefore, my brothers, 
Beloved and longed for, my joy and my crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Well, in what way? Well, again, we go back to chapter 3, specifically verses 14 and verse 17. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is your motive, right? And then he says, brothers, join in following my example and look for those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. There's a corporate sort of uh, you know, perspective, if you will. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look around the church of Christ and find those who are really all about the gospel. And I want to I get with what they're doing. Yeah. I want to be like them, right? And so that is the way that we are to stand firm. And also, in chapter 1, verse 27, Paul says, only, let your li- only live your lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear about your circumstances. And here it is, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, contending together for the faith of the gospel. So that's how we are to stand firm. We are to be all about the gospel of Jesus Christ in our own personal lives. And we are to look for those brothers and sisters in the congregation who share that same enthusiasm and then partner up with them and go do the work of evangelism, right? Now, verse 2, Paul brings in a couple of individuals from the church. He says, I urge Yodia and I urge Synecdoche to live, I'm sorry, to think the same way in the Lord. Now, the same way meaning everything I just said, right? Mm-hmm. This, is, this denotes a deliberate, conscious awareness of this on a daily basis. Right. Yeah, and, and there seemed to be, have been maybe some strife between these, these two women who Paul goes on to talk about how they were companions in the gospel. And so what he's trying to call their mind back to is don't forget why we're doing all this. Don't forget the right. Lord. <clears throat> don't have strife between the two of you. We're, we're all slaves to Christ. Mm-hmm. Like be, be drawn back together and th- focus on and think about mm-hmm. this calling that we have and this joy that we have in the Lord. Yeah. I think really verse five, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but verse five gives us some more insight into what could be going on there. Cause he yeah. says, let your considerate spirit be known to all men. Some translations say, let your reasonableness be, mm-hmm. be made known. Really, the idea is, is being gentle and not rigid, yeah. be, not being overly strict, right? Um, really not, not living your life by the letter of the law, but by the spirit of the law would right. be an accurate understanding. And, and apparently, these women, um, they were being overly strict, yeah. right? I mean, we don't really know what the situation may have been. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, is that Paul is urging them. I mean, this is a, a Greek word that has a very strong connotation. Like, yeah. I am personally speaking directly to both of you right now, yeah. right? Think the same way in the Lord. That's basically what he's saying. Yeah. As an apostle, that carries a little bit of weight there, right? Yeah, it would be like the President of the United States knocking on your door and saying, hey, listen, bud, you need to pay your taxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, sir. Yep, got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so it, it's just a very strong um, urging. It's an exhortation by the Apostle Paul personally to these women to, to, to think the same way, right? They're thinking differently, right? Yeah. Maybe one of them was overly strict. Maybe the other one was too lax. Who knows, right, right? right? There was some sort of, yeah, division there. Right. And verse 3 says, Indeed, I ask you also, genuine companion, 
help these women who have contended together alongside of me in the gospel with also Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So all these people are genuinely saved. He yeah. references the book of life. Now, yeah. the book of life, if you don't know what that is, you need to go look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, chapter 13, verse 8, chapter 17, verse 8, chapter 20, verses 12 and 15, and chapter 22, verse 9. There's the book of life, yeah. right? That is God's register of all the elect. Mm -hmm. That's it right there. If your name's in the book of life, you're in, period. Yeah. I don't know whose names are on that list. Um, we can call it how we see it, right? Yeah. That's Certainly that's what Paul was doing. Um, but at the end of the day, the book of the life, the book of life is where you want to be written down. Yeah. I mean, straight up. So, um, we know that these people are genuine believers as far as the apostle Paul, you know, can tell. Um, but let's go up to the top of verse three. Indeed, I ask you also genuine companion. Now this is kind of an uh, interpretive, uh, little area here where, where you can kind of go either way. Either the Apostle Paul is speaking to a direct individual who, re, who does not have a name, um, as far as we know, or the guy's name literally is Yoke Fellow, if it's translated. Uh, I don't even want to butcher this Greek word, but <laughs> <laughs> either way, whether it's uh, an individual who is unnamed or it's a, you know, a particular person who is named, um, the point of the passage is that we are to think the same way and to stand firm in our enthusiasm and our commitment to the gospel, yeah. right? And, and Paul's wise here, uh, of course, as an apostle to not only warn these these women and and, and his warning stands for an example to others who would read this letter, mm -hmm. but also to say, hey, fellow worker or some mature believer here, mm -hmm whether it be a particular person or, or someone else, help them. Help them. Right? Sit down with the Word of God and help them. Yeah. Help bring uh, resolution and reconciliation and, and let's get back on task mm -hmm. because there was so much that they're fighting against. We read in our last podcast, you know, that there was Judaizers and there, mm -hmm. was, there was Gnostics and there was all these mm -hmm. false teachings like, hey, let's stop squabbling over. Right things that don't matter. Let's right. get back on the same page. Well, the enemy's tactic is to divide the house. Yeah. You know, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And it's interesting, if you go to verse six, be anxious for nothing, right? Literally, do not be pulled in different directions. Yeah. That's what the word translated anxious here means. Uh, we can't be distracted, right? And and yeah. if we start like picking at one another and trying to consume one another and devour one another, yeah. We cannot contend together yeah. for the gospel. Yeah, the word tells us that the that love covers a multitude of sins, mm -hmm. and that's that's there to say it's not to say that we don't contend for false teaching or, or actual blatant sin. We're also called to rebuke and admonish one another. But yeah, hey, we're all sinful, and like we don't have to be like a t every single thing anyone ever does. It's a little bit wrong. We don't have to like right. constantly be on top of right of that. We can we can say hey, let's show some grace here and. You know, let the Lord work that out in them, or you know, whatever mm -hmm. that would be, um, to to allow for unity in that way. I think that's a right interpretation, Chad, because of what we said earlier about the the um, the words joy, grace, and rejoice all sharing the same root word and having the same fundamental meaning. Yeah, right. It's a it's a delighting in the grace of God. Right. It's mm -hmm. not living by the letter of the law. It's it's living by the spirit of the law. Yeah. It's living in that grace for. Uh, one another and also receiving it from the Lord for yourself, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not perfect, right? 
Right. I don't even live by the own sta- my own standard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, no me, one does. No one does. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, how silly are we to think that we, we do mm-hmm. and that everyone else needs to get in line with my standard. Right? Yeah. No, we need to get in line with God's standard, right? And um, I think the fact that you've got the, the, um, the command to rejoice, the command to not be anxious, the command to let your reasonableness be known, I think that's all telling us here, you guys look. Yeah. Stop biting at one another right, stop, stop it stop bickering stop. yeah remember we need to be contending together yeah for the sake of the gospel right. not contending against one another right and a rejoicing in the lord denotes also the prerequisite of humility yes right like when you set your mind upon the lord there's not a whole lot of room for pride there mm-hmm. um if one if we really reflect upon the grace of Christ, the the character of Christ, the the magnitude of God's holy character, the reality of our sin, the wrath we deserve. There's no one who stands in that thought honestly and says, "I'm all good." Mm-hmm. And when we can see, and we and we take the log out of our own eye, as mm-hmm. Matthew seven says, mm-hmm. we're now we're humble enough to gently help take the speck out of our brother's eye. Yeah, but. When pride enters in, which is probably what's happening here, we we all be all of a sudden become a little bit self righteous, mm-hmm. you know. And who knows? Maybe one of these women had gotten persuaded by the Judaizers, and we're starting to be real strict on law or something like that. Who yeah, knows? Maybe so. Who knows? Maybe so. But either way, it's there, and we have to understand what the, the overall purpose is for its being included there. So, verse four, then rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it: rejoice. Now, he already said that in chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord, right? Philippians is a book chocked full of rejoicement. Chapter 2, verse 28. I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, right? I mean, joy is just all over this book. And so he doesn't mind repeating it. And I, and I would agree with the Apostle Paul. Again, the word means to delight in God's grace. This should be the characterizing, um, what's the word I'm looking for? attitude yeah of all christians yeah and we've been all over verse four and five so we might as well just keep diving into it because the end of verse five is the reason that we rejoice yes that's why we let our reasonableness be known to everyone because the lord is at hand yeah like god has done it like he is he is god he is he is his plan is happening. His gospel is true. His return is uh, very near. His return is imminent. Like we got to take our minds off ourselves and put our mind upon the Lord, mm-hmm. and that takes away that anxiety, as you said. Is the the definition of that is being torn in two different directions. Mm-hmm. The, um, the heart of anxiety is trying to be in control yourself and trying to make things happen and. And rejoicing in the Lord says, no, the Lord is at hand. He is making all things new. He mm-hmm. is happening. And so when you set our, your mind upon the gospel, upon Christ, upon the end, uh, which is glorification in heaven, you you get peace, the yeah. peace of God, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and that's the, the amazing promise that shines through here in verses 7 and 9. But my translation in verse 5 at the end says, the Lord is near, and yours yeah. says the Lord is at hand, right? Yeah. And, and really that word just means nearness in place or time, yeah. which I think it's both and here because mm-hmm. he is near to us in place. He dwells within us, right? Yeah. And as we're going to see, um, that's what Paul is really saying to us in terms of his nearness to us. In verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds. I mean, those are both internal 
things, yeah. right? Yeah. And then in verse nine, if you practice all these things, the God of peace will be with you. So yeah. it'll be, you, you will have this conscious awareness of the grace of God, yeah, right? Absolutely. But <laughs> he's also been talking about Christ's second coming, chapter yeah. three, verse 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. I mean, my goodness, the little things that you're being anxious about today, yeah. you know, the fact that your car broke down or the fact that, you know, you're not sure if you're going to be able to make ends meet, you know, the fact that, you, you know, you want this, you want that, or this isn't going your way or that's not, hey, if the Lord came back today, none of that would even matter. Yeah. He would not be worried about that one bit. Right. And, and in both of those definitions really help us because what you just said is true. If he comes back today, it doesn't matter. But also, if he doesn't come back today, is he not with you? Right. Is he not sovereign? Mm -hmm. Is he not uh, willing and working all things for the good of those who love him and are mm -hmm. called by his name for the purpose of creating us into the image of his son? Is that not true? Mm -hmm. um, can we not rejoice in trial? Of course we can. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so the Lord knows what we need. Matthew Matthew 6, mm -hmm. right? Don't be anxious. Seek first my kingdom, my righteousness. Don't worry about tomorrow. The Lord knows what you need. Right. And... Paul also understands that this is hard. This yeah. is not easy, yeah. right? Paul knew this. I mean, he had his own um, anxieties, if you will. Yeah. He talks about his anxiety was constant because of his worry for all the churches. Yeah. These, these false teachers were following him everywhere for years, going to all the churches that he planted and just, just uprooting them. Trying you to know? destroy them. Trying man. to destroy I mean, Paul was in constant danger, constantly being you know persecuted. I mean, he understood the difficulty of the yeah. Christian life, well, so he's forget, not being insensitive. Don't forget this letter is being written in prison, right? <laughs> so, but but here's here's the antidote for anxiety, right? Yeah, here it is. But in everything, mm -hmm. right? And the context would imply in everything you're anxious about. Yeah. Okay. By prayer. When's the last time you prayed, listener? Yeah. When's the last time you spent 20, 30 minutes in prayer? Yeah. Have you done that? If you're anxious, you may not have been doing that. Yeah. That's usually when I find that my anxiety starts creeping in. Yeah. I haven't just sat in the presence of God and let my requests be made known to him. Yeah. With gratitude is what he says. Yeah, with Thanksgiving. Right? So if you're anxious, stop what you're doing. Shut out all the distractions and pray to God. Mm -hmm. Right? Pray... And he says also petition. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between the two? Well, I'll tell you. Prayer is anything that is like adoration, is anything that is like just pure worship. Prayer is not about you. It's about God. Petitions are, are all really about you. Yeah. God, please do this. Please give me this. Please yeah. do this. But they don't stop with you. You should add in this. God, please do this for me, for your glory, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's a proper petition, right? So it's both and. And he says, don't just throw them at God. Do it with gratitude. Do it mm. with thanksgiving. Because here's the reality, Christian, like Chad was just saying. You have already been saved. Yeah. You have eternity. What mm. more could we want? Yeah, we have peace with God. Peace with God forever. We will be dwelling with him mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. And I was talking about heaven last night with the guys in the addiction program as we're continuing going on through our yeah. salvation components. And one of the guys asked a really insightful question about heaven. 
he said, um, we were talking about the deliverance uh, from the presence of sin, right? Yeah. We've, been de- we've been delivered from the penalty and power of sin right now. Yeah. The progressive sanctification is really something that has to do with, with struggling with the presence of sin. Yeah. And he said, when we get to heaven, will it be like we um, you know, have the ability to either choose to obey God or disobey God, but just there's no options of disobedience there? Or will um, there just be like, no, like will our nature be different, right? And we will not, we won't even desire to disobey God. And I said, well, that, what you just said, is actually true of you right now, if you're in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new Mm. creation, right? You have a new heart, therefore a new nature. We struggle with the presence of sin now, but when we get to heaven, we won't struggle with that because there will be no presence of sin. So uh, the reason why it's called heaven is because our nature desires only to obey God. And when we get there, there will be no options for disobedience. Therefore, we won't desire to do it and we won't even be tempted to do it. (laughs) So to just be like everything you could possibly want, God, that's it. And the brothers and sisters who are in Christ. I mean, what a wonderful thing, right? And his eyes lit up when I said that. It yeah, was wonderful yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to see the Lord at work in his heart there. But but bringing it back to the, the context here, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, That's right. which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Chad, let's talk about that. Notice the flow. Those things you're anxious about, Bring them before God. Why? Mm-hmm. Why should we bring them before God? Because he, his promise. He is God. He is the one working all things. And when we bring them before God, it, it causes, obviously, a, a reflection upon who he is and and, and a, a humility and understanding of who God is. And the peace of God, which is one of the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, mm. will grow. And... It'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, meaning it'll protect your mind from being anxious mm-hmm. about these things. Doubts, worries. Because you're going to be reminded of the truth. You're going to think about the truth, which he, not to jump ahead, but Go ahead. when he goes, finally, so he doubles down on it. So finally, here's how you continue in that peace. Whatever is true, <laughs> right? Yeah. So thinking about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Mm. The way the mind works is you can only think about one thing at a time. You're either going to be thinking about the Lord or you're going to be thinking about yourself. You're either going to be reflecting on his promises or you're going to be reflecting upon your doubts. There, There is no two at the same time, mm-hmm. right? There's a, a direct enmity between God and our pride in our flesh. So if we're reflecting upon the God, then we're going to be thinking about these things Paul just talked about, and then he doubles down on the promise again. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, speaking about the gospel, practice these things. So now think about it, do it, and the peace of God will be with you. Mm-hmm. So that promise there is twice. It'll guard your heart, won't allow you to be thinking about the the doubts. And as you obey the Lord... He is with you in that obedience. The peace of God is with you yeah. as you go. Yeah, so good. Consider these things, he says. And remember, 
he had the dual command there of rejoice and rejoice, and that was to be consciously aware and be glad for God's grace in your life, yeah. right? So it's not as if um, the Lord goes farther away from you and mm-hmm. then nearer to you, mm-hmm. right? It's about bringing our mind in line with the reality that we already have in Christ. Yeah, We already stand in this grace, yeah. right? We already possess peace with God. And because of the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, right. that never changes. Yeah, and, and bringing it in line, when it says guard your heart, that's speaking about the inner man, the biblical mm-hmm. heart, your thoughts, your beliefs, your affections, your desires, your emotions, your volition, which is your will and your choices. All of it comes in line with the Lord. Your, your beliefs will be focused upon the truth of who God is, right? Mm-hmm. I'll desire to know God. Uh, or I'll I'll believe and have faith in God. Mm-hmm. I'll desire to please God, and I will walk in obedience with God. Mm-hmm. When our hearts are aligned with the Lord, that's what that looks like, and that guards us from sin. That guards us from doubt, because the type of anxiety that He's speaking about here is that of sin, mm-hmm. doubt, doubting the promises of God, doubting who God is, allowing the world to influence our thinking, allowing what we see in the world to to become true to us as if, as if it's, um, is, um, on par with the word of God. And yeah. The of God. Like it's, it's going to happen. Like it's, yeah. this is definite, you know, but in faith, we know it's not, we know right. it's not true. We know no matter what's in the world around us, that the Lord is still sovereign over it. And the world is not going to win mm-hmm. in the end. It's not going to win. Um, and so that's what gives us confidence, even in suffering and trial. This is a momentary affliction as the Bible says. Even yeah. if suffering comes, it's momentary. And it's not that it's that the evil is defeating God. It's God is patiently bringing about his plan, and his plan will come about. Mm-hmm. Amen. And then in verse 9, he says, The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So we see kind of this thread in this section, this thread of joy, right? We are to rejoice because of the grace that we have received in Christ Jesus, who is near to us mm-hmm. in place, right? He's near, he's in our hearts. He's amongst our brothers and sisters in the congregation. And his second coming is drawing closer and closer in time. It's, yeah. it's on his way. It will happen. And so we don't have to be anxious about anything. We don't have to be. Will we be? Very, very likely we will be, right? But guess what? Sin has no power over you Mm -hmm. because we have been positionally moved. We are no longer under the dominion of sin. We are now under the reign of Christ. We don't have to serve our sinful desires. We don't have to serve those lusts that are making us anxious, right? We don't have to be pulled in all sorts of different directions. We should be and we can be singularly focused with our brothers and sisters for the gospel's sake. Yeah. And so Paul really in verses 8 and 9 when he says, consider these things and practice these things, sums up yeah. the message of the book of Philippians. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So a couple of x-ray questions. <laughs> What's making you anxious, listener? Yeah. What are the thoughts? What's, what's the belief? What are you wanting? What are you desiring? What do you want to be true? And if, if you answer those questions honestly, if anything is not 
God and the gospel, if it's if it's anything that terminates on you, you need to repent. And if you don't repent, your anxiety will eat you alive. That's right. It will eat you alive and literally steal your life from you. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Jesus says, he does, it's not that he says this for no reason. When he says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Right. Right? Actually, it's it's ironic because by worrying, you're actually taking life away from you. Yeah. And you're really acting as a false prophet. Mm. Because what you're saying is, this thing might happen. This thing could happen. This and thing should happen. This thing should happen. This this thing, you know, you just start to say all these things, like this thing's going to happen. I deserve it to happen. Yeah. And you don't know if that's going to happen or not. Right. Right. <laughs> you actually have zero power. It's an exercise in futility. Yeah. It's desiring to be in the place of God. You want to be sovereignly in control of your life to make your life go the way you want it to go. And that's just not true and not right. Mm-hmm. The way we find peace and the way we repent of prideful control is to trust in God's control. Amen. Trust that he is the one in control. He is the one going to bring it about. Whatever he has ordained in my life is going to come about. My only thought is how do I respond to that in faith? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and what is the antidote here that he's giving us? Go to God. Yeah. In prayer. Yeah. With uh, petition and with thanksgiving. Absolutely. Like, worship the Lord. Yeah. Take some time to stop, slow down, right? Get outside of yourself. Get outside of your mind and and worship the God whom you serve and whom you love, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you don't, then you're going to find yourself becoming increasingly more anxious. Yeah. It doesn't go away on itself, by itself. And yeah, so we want to encourage you in that route. Because all you're really learning in your anxiety is how much you're not in control Mm -hmm. so think about that futility i want to be more in control i continually see i'm not in control i want to be more in control i can't be in control it's a negative system there (laughs) it's it's a spiral of insanity it really is yeah and it does extreme versions of that do come out physiologically yes heart palpitations panic attacks ulcers stress Mm -hmm. headaches uh, headaches like you're literally killing yourself trying yeah. to be God. Right. Just let God be God. Yeah. Just be submitted unto his will. Um, it, it, it's not the same in terms of your experience, right? You're, God, there, God is going to take you through seasons. You're going to go through seasons of life. And if you're in a particularly rough season right now, which I know many of you listening are, mm-hmm. it's, it, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Because God is who he is. Yeah. He's gracious. He is compassionate. He is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He is just. Mm. And if someone is wronging you, make no mistake about it. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? Yeah. Don't take vengeance in your own hands. Submit yourself to the under the hand of God, trusting in him, knowing that ultimately, if whoever is wronging you does not repent and bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, they will bow it unwillingly in the judgment. And so you should be praying for them, not hating them, mm-hmm. right? We should not return evil for evil, but evil with good. And we should trust the Lord mm-hmm. that he loves us, right? The Bible says that even the hairs on your head are numbered, that even a, a sparrow doesn't fall out of a tree and die without him being consciously aware of it. He knows what's going on with you. And guess what? If you're in Christ, he loves you the same way he loves Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. This is John chapter 17. I would encourage you to go to John chapter 17 and read it. Marinate in that. It's such a powerful portion of scripture because it tells us 
the love of God in Christ Jesus that is yours. Yeah, amen. Amen. We thank you all for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project Podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.